All right, welcome back to Formate Arbitration and some bad news. JB's not here. <laughs> That's terrible news, man. Uh, I'm talking to JB about midweek. We was talking about his his next episode on 3996 and Dois and Pet. And so I'm like, okay, so Sunday when you're doing that, he's like, Sunday? I was like, well, yeah. When you're coming in Sunday. So I'm not going to be here Sunday. I'm not even going to be in town. So he's not here. <laughs> and what's so funny is I've seen people on on uh, message boards this week talking about how they can't wait to, to Sunday for this episode because they need it so bad and had gonna, he ain't going to be here. I was even telling uh, somebody that I was talking to uh, about this week, and I said, yeah. I said, going to be stuck with me again this week. JB can't be here. And they was like, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> So I appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, no JB this week. He will be back. I don't know when he'll be back. Uh, next week, I got a special guest coming in, and I'm excited about it. I tell you, I've been trying to get different people on to them being wherever they're at in different cities and stuff. I, I still can't figure that out. If somebody knows how to do that, message me. I'm desperate. But uh, got a lot of people that want to participate, I, and I don't mind that at all, as long as they know what they're talking about. Uh, but I, I just can't figure that out. But this individual reached out to me back when I was doing my sixteen seven episode, and he's like, "Hey man, really appreciate the podcast. That's neat stuff." On the sixteen seven, uh, I don't agree with you. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, that's fine." He's like, "Yeah." I, uh, there's some things in there that I just, uh, you know, where we're at, we don't, we don't agree with that. I said, Hey, no problem whatsoever. He said, if you don't mind, I'd like to come down and do one sometime. I said, come on. Well, he's coming. So <laughs> I got a special guest next Sunday. I can't wait. I'm not going to tell you who it is just in case it don't work out, but uh, I'm excited about it. I, I tell you all the time, I don't need to be the only voice at all. Uh, I'm not an expert at anything. I, like I said, I've dealt with a lot of things, but I don't consider myself to be an expert at any one thing. Uh, so however you do it, as long as it makes sense, I'd love to hear from you. And Because uh, like I said, I'm still learning. Iron sharpens iron is what I feel. And, and uh, so I look forward to it. And, and hopefully he'll have some good things to say uh, and educate us. So that's going to be next week. Special guest. The next week, I've got to leave early Sunday, so I don't know if JB's going to be able to come and do one or not. Uh, we'll just have to play that by ear, so I apologize for that. So this week's going to be very short. I'm going to talk a little bit about the scanner message, the grievance that I filed on that, because that's extremely important. Anytime we're dealing with carrier safety, it's the most important. Uh, the most important is, is our safety. Uh, so I had that scanner message I told you about that I saw on Facebook that really pissed me off. And so I'm going to deal with that. That's going to be very brief. Uh, I'm going to have Jeremy put that up on the website from aidarbitration.com. Uh, look at that. It'll have my contentions and everything about uh, that scanner message. There's also a B-team decision, a prior B-team decision. I'm going to have to get it this week so he can put that up because when I was looking through my stuff, I don't have that. 
But this is a formal step A resolution based off of that B team decision. Okay, so it'll help you. It's got my contentions in there. Nothing fantastic, nothing major, just basic contentions. But it'll help you if you're wanting to file a grievance on that scanner message. And you should. You should. Anything that endangers my people, I'm going to grieve it. Uh, I did want to talk about one thing. I had a, a conversation with a badass this week, a real badass. Uh, she is a brand new shop steward and I'm talking about a week. She's been a shop steward one week <laughs> and how she became a shop steward is, uh, a large station, uh, had a gentleman get in some major trouble, major trouble, postal inspectors, police, everything. And, uh, so the, the steward at the time was handed all this stuff through an information request, and he steps down and leaves everybody in the lurch. He just steps down. Too big for him. Uh, so this young lady said that she had been listening to my podcast, which to me is neat that just, you know, a carrier would be listening to it outside of Shop Stewart and Formal A. I, I like that. I like the thought of that. That's pretty neat. But she had been listening to it and uh, been wondering how she can get involved. Well, when the shop steward stepped down, the branch president came out and asked, you know, who would be interested in taking over. She said, I raised my hand. I said, I'll take over. And uh, asked her about this case. She said, I'll take the case. I'll take the case and uh, I'll do my best. How about that? I'm going to tell you, that's badass to me. I don't know about y'all, but that's, that's badass to me. Uh, so I talked that episode about picking up the flag, man and letting them know we're not going anywhere. That's picking up the flag, baby. Picking up the flag and letting them know we ain't going nowhere. That's badass. But anyway, in one week, she sent me uh, what she had and just asked if I minded looking over it. Of course, I don't mind looking over anything. I've told you all that. Uh, you don't bother me at all. So she sends me everything she had uh, and everything she had done. And let me tell you, this is first-class stuff, man. When I said look over everything, dates, times, look over, she has done that. She has taken her time and put her due diligence in representing her brother uh, that is in trouble. And I'm going to say this. She, she she's, has a chance at being successful here well, just off of the things that I've seen. And I've not told her much. You know, we found a few things, and that's only because she's brand new. You know, she doesn't uh, know everything that you should know. So I only found a few things. She's found most of them. And, and I'm going to tell you, that this guy's in good hands. I'll be very interested to see how this turns out, and I'll let y'all know. But uh, to the young lady, that's badass, man. She had messaged me about mitigation when I was talking about mitigation. And asked, is that just cause? Is that due process? Is that considered mitigation? And I apologize because, like I said, I've been doing this since 2006. I just take for granted everybody knows what I'm talking about. And that's my fault. Uh, I need to be more clear when I talk about things, uh, especially things like mitigation. Because to me, everybody knows what mitigation is. But they don't. When I first started, I wouldn't have known what mitigation was. I could look the word up, but I wouldn't know what it, it fully means. So uh, I messaged her about mitigation, 
And so I'm going to talk to a little bit more about mitigation, okay, if that's all right. I talked last week about the gentleman whose, whose child has passed. Uh, that's mitigation. That's definite mitigation. When we talk about just cause, is that mitigation? Yeah. Anything that's going to get my discipline rescinded or reduced uh, is mitigation. Uh, due process, that would be considered mitigation to me. A mitigating factor uh, would be a, a due process violation or a just cause violation. To me, those things would be mitigating factors. Anything that I'm going to show to reduce or rescind discipline. Uh, the big ones, though, are when I'm guilty, and as guilty as I can be, management has met every just cause principle. There are no due process violations. I'm as guilty as I can be. What is there that can be a mitigating factor for my behavior or my act? What is there anything? Alcoholism and drug abuse would be a mitigating factor. The loss of a child would be the biggest mitigating factor. The loss of a parent, uh, a brother, a sister, uh, a loss of that, a loss of a co-worker, a friend. Uh, those would be mitigating factors. Anything that affects the psyche, anything that affects, could potentially affect my work uh, would be a mitigating factor to me. Uh, a divorce would be a mitigating factor. Problems with children. I had a, a supervisor that we were really good friends way this, 20 years ago. We were really good friends. Well, his kids were put in jail, and his he just went to hell. Well, that was a mitigating factor because it affected his life, right? It affected his life, and he brought that to work with him. Those are mitigating factors. Anything that I can use, and, and we're not exploiting anything bad here. We're not exploiting bad things to gain things. We're representing our brothers and sisters. That's what mitigation is. Uh, so I apologize for saying mitigation so many times and not explaining myself on that. I should have done a better job. Uh, because new stewards may not know that, just like this young lady, you know, just a simple little, are you talking about just cause and due process? Uh, that's part of it. And and we talked, uh, we, we messaged. So um, I, I just don't think of that. And that's my fault. It really is. Uh, but I had a case. I know y'all get sick of hearing that. <laughs> I say that every episode, Donna. I had a case. Uh, but, um, it was a mitigating factor involved in this one. I'll tell you about two cases. Um, and if you get sick of hearing about cases, just message me and say, Hey, we get sick of hearing about cases, but it's a good, it's a good way to, to tell about examples to you is through cases that I've done. It was down South. I'll have Jeremy put this up on the website. Make sure you're going to formateoverbetration.com. Make sure you're doing that. He's got everything up that you can need. All the information, MDocs, all that, he's put up. It's a beautiful site. Uh, so Jeremy McCall, I thank him every week, but I'm going to thank him every week, every episode. I mean, formateoverbetration.com, it's a godsend, man. And don't forget about Lindsay from Made Arbitration on Facebook page. Uh, go talk to her. She puts up some good stuff, some funny stuff, and, and some, you know, has questions and things. So uh, Facebook from, uh, from Aid Arbitration, the Facebook page. Get on there and holler at Lindsay. She's a sweetheart. But anyway, this case 
was down south. C number 32205, 32205, and it was dealing with a young lady, uh, a sweetheart of a girl. Let me tell y'all, uh, a sweetheart of a girl. And uh, she was guilty, as guilty as you can be. She was guilty. Uh, now, there are some things that the formal aid did an exceptional job on this one, and I'm talking about exceptional job made it very easy on me but this young lady was uh her sister had a friend who knew a doctor uh, just out of med school that was giving doctor's notes for whatever i don't remember if it was drugs or money or whatever but giving doctor's notes to people uh, for some form of reimbursement and so this young lady got her hands on some. And this doctor had filled out the first few and then told her that if she needed any more, just to fill them out herself. Gave her a stack of them, and, and she was caught with those. But she was turning in doctor's notes uh, to management, and management questioned those notes, so they turned those notes over to the OIG. And the OIG gets involved, and they come and get this young lady, and they say, hey, these doctor's notes, are they legitimate? Yes. Okay, so you're going to this place of business, this doctor's office. You're going here for these doctor's appointments. Yes, I am. Get in the car. We're going to this place of business, and you show us where it's at. So they take her to where this address is, and there's no building. There's no office. There's grass. There's an empty lot. So they stop and they say, now, how are you going here? There's no lot. There's no building. How are you going there? Uh, so she has to admit that she falsified these doctor's notes. Uh, she falsified them. So they remove her. And, and as it turns out, this young lady had just had a miscarriage. Uh, and it was traumatizing to her. And so... During this time, all this stuff was happening. Right after her miscarriage, all this stuff started happening. The formal A did a magnificent job of putting in the file how miscarriages affect a woman's psyche, their, uh, the depression, the work habits, everything that goes along with a miscarriage. This formal A did a fantastic job of documenting these things. And the arbitrators bought all of that and bought it. I mean, it's true. And so, but I'll never forget this hearing out of all of my hearings. I'll never forget this one. And, and it's because of my behavior, completely unacceptable. I went off the deep end in this hearing so much. So I'm shocked that the arbitrator didn't kick me out because I'm telling you, I lost my shit in this arbitration it's the only time i've ever done it but I, I just couldn't take it but anyway when i go down there to represent this young lady uh, i meet with her the night before and i'm talking with her about the case you know and i tell her, you know obviously it doesn't look good you know we got to get past the fact that you fabricated doctor's notes i said but i'm going to have to talk about you know the loss of your child and I'm sorry. When I said that, she starts bawling. I mean, bawling. And 
and it affected me big time. Uh, it affected me. And uh, so I was already in a mood when I get to arbitration. So when I'm questioning the postal inspectors, now this is how they are. This is how dishonest and low down the postal inspectors are. This young lady, in her report, when they questioned her, she says she knows the doctor who gave her the notes. You know, they're like, did you get these on the computer? She said, no, a doctor actually handed them to me. Well, it was a med student, but she didn't know the difference, you know, as a doctor to her. She, she describes him. She's like, he's tall, he's thin, white guy, redheaded, red beard, cut real tight. Uh, she explains him in perfect detail. That's who gave me these doctor's notes. So the post inspectors are trying to show that she's lying, that there was never this doctor. So the name on this doctor's note, they find him, okay? And they give him a picture of this girl. And they say, have you ever seen this girl? Well, he knows he's caught. He says, never seen her. That is all they do. They don't question anything else. What do they expect a doctor to say? He's not going to say, oh, yeah, that's the girl I gave all those stack of doctor's notes to and told her to falsify them. You know, that's how stupid they think we are. But anyway, in the hearing, I asked them, I said, why did you give the doctor the picture of this young lady to see if he knew her? I said, why was that important? Because we wanted to show that he didn't know her. I said, why was that important? To show that she was lying. Oh, okay. I said, so you gave him a picture to show that she was lying. Yeah. I said, now how did you show that? Because he'd never seen her before. I said, did you expect him to say anything different? And the arbitrator started giggling. I said, let me ask you this. Here's a lady that ex described this gentleman perfectly. Tall, slender, red-headed, red beard, cut real tight. I said, why did you not give her 20 pictures? Just give her 20 pictures with his picture in there and say, is this doctor in there? Is this doctor in any of these pictures? I said, why didn't you do that? And he just looked at me. I said, I'm going to need an answer to that. I said, because to me, if she says, that's him right there, and points this guy out, He's not lying. I said, why wouldn't you give this young lady the benefit of the doubt to do that? He's just looking at me. So I say, sir, I said, I don't know if you've ever been in an arbitration before. But what happens in here is, is I'm going to ask you a question, and then you're going to answer that question. That's what happens in here. So I've asked you a question. I'm going to need some kind of answer. He said, we just didn't feel it relevant. I said, excuse me? You didn't feel it relevant? I said, I'm going to say you didn't do it because you know as soon as she picks that guy out, your report goes to hell. That's why you didn't do that. That's why you didn't question, or that's why you didn't set these pictures out in front of this girl because you know as soon as she points that out, she was telling the truth. That's why you didn't do that. So we shot his stuff down. Then comes the supervisor. And here's what I'm talking about when I lost my mind. 
The supervisor gets up there, and of course on any discipline, if you've ever seen any discipline, they'll say, you're given an opportunity for an investigative interview, or you're given an investigative interview on this date. You did not provide any answers that justified your actions, and you offered me no mitigating circumstances to consider. Y'all ever seen that in discipline before? So he says, you've offered me no mitigating circumstances to consider. So I asked him, I said, sir, I said, uh, are you aware of this young lady's situation? He says, yeah. I said, you are. I said, so you're aware that this young lady had a miscarriage? Let me tell you, family. Let me tell you. When I said that, this gentleman is on my left. This sweetheart is on my right. Our sister is sitting here on, on my right. Out of my peripheral vision, I can see her put her head on the table, face down. And she begins to wail like I've never heard. Just in agony. And it broke me. When I saw that, I was no longer in arbitration. <laughs> I, was, I was in an alley out back when I saw that. When I saw my sister put her sweet head down on that table and bawl, I lost my shit. So I said, sir, I said, I want you to tell this young lady right now that the loss of her child was not a mitigating factor to you. Tell her. The other advocate says, objection. I didn't even hear that. <laughs> I said, what in the hell is wrong with you, man? What in the hell is wrong with you? She says, objection. <laughs> Slams her hand down on the table. And uh, she's like, he's badgering the witness. The arbitrator says, Mr. Walton. I said, hey, man. I said, tell her. Tell her. I said, tell this young lady that the loss of her child wasn't a mitigating factor. I said, you can't do it. I said, because you're sorry, man. I said, you are a sorry individual. This advocate, I promise you. She slams both her hands down on the table. Pow! Objection! He's badgering the witness. I mean, loud, man. I didn't stop. The arbitrator, Mr. Walton, <laughs> Mr. Walton. I said, you're about as pathetic a human being as I've ever seen, man. I said, to sit here under oath and say that you didn't consider the loss of this woman's child a mitigating factor. I said, you're a sorry human being, man. You're as sorry as it gets. <laughs> this other advocate, man, losing her mind. Objection. <laughs> I'm steady going, man. And uh, the arbitrator finally says, Corey. And uh, I looked over at him, never acknowledged anything, man. My face didn't show any expression. I looked over at him. Yes, sir. He said, Corey, I get it. I get it. I said, that's all the questions I have for this individual. <laughs> so uh, he brought her back. He brought her back. Let me let me show you what he said. Uh, it's on page, let's see here, on page uh, 16. The, the, it talks about what the union put in there, showing American Psychological Association. Uh, it was Exhibit 2, which talks about um, reproductive trauma and things, uh, how it affects a young lady. 
And he says, the above provides what I believe to be the only conclusion to be reached in this matter. As previously stated, I am convinced the grievance trauma placed her into something other than a normal state of mind, which certainly carried over to her work environment. This fails to excuse the submission of altered medical documentation by the grievant, but does provide any rational mind a reason to mitigate those actions. And that is what a mitigating factor is all about. I'll read that again. But does provide any rational mind a reason to mitigate those actions? I believe the employer simply failed to properly investigate and then deliberate and properly consider this entire matter. And so uh, he brought the young lady back. That, that's a mitigating factor, and that's why we use those. He said any reasonable person would consider that a mitigating factor, regardless of my behavior in there, regardless of my behavior. But those are mitigating factors. I got one more. I dealt with another gentleman that was falsifying documentation, and he was guilty as he could be. And this is uh, C30679, 30679. And this guy was guilty, guilty, guilty. Uh, he wasn't allowed off. He put in for annual leave and wasn't allowed off. So he got on the computer and just and wrote up his own doctor's note and turned it in. Well, it was so bad that management sent it to the OIG and they investigated. And um, he apologized, wrote a good statement. But I told him, and sometimes this is the, all the mitigation we have in our corner. I told him uh, when I met with him, I said, Here, here's what we're going to do. When it's your time to be questioned, the only thing you're going to say is you're going to apologize to this arbitrator. That's it. I'm not getting into why you did it. Uh, you're guilty of it. You're going to apologize to this arbitrator, and you're going to promise him that it will never happen again. I said, and you're going to be sincere when you do it. You understand? Yes, sir. I said, all right. I said, so when we're going there tomorrow... I said, I'm going to ask you your name, how long you've been working here, and what do you want to say about the situation? And then you're going to apologize to him. And that's all we had. That's it. This is what the arbitrator said. Following careful evaluation and consideration of all the facts and circumstances surrounding this matter, the undersigned is of the considered opinion and employee clearly miscued in this matter. I agree with management and that the act committed by the grievant may be deserving of capital punishment even as a first-time offense. However, the mitigating circumstances clearly exhibit to me as a case more akin to that of progressive discipline being the better alternative. However, I believe one more opportunity will be beneficial to both parties in this case. First, the employee garners the last opportunity to maintain a successful and productive career. And of equal importance, the employer is able to maintain an otherwise competent and valuable employee. But what was misconstrued in this matter was the anger of the employer over this particular act by the grievance, and that is understandable. However, I'm of the considered opinion this was a single one-time occurrence, and should the grievance ever commit another act of dishonesty, regardless of degree, progressive discipline will be set aside. What the grievance did here is an embarrassment on not only the grievance, but also the Postal Service. However, what is paramount here is the fact the grievance acknowledged the mistake and was remorseful. When questioned about his actions, the grievance did not deny any of the charge and confirmed all allegations. 
The agreement was contrite and actually authored a statement that the undersigned recognized as being a sincere apology. While the action of the grievant is a very serious matter, the undersigned is convinced the grievant is otherwise an honest person, was remorseful, and sincerely regretted his actions. He goes on, however, was moved by the grievance testimony, written letter of apology, and a promise that he would never commit a similar act in the future. But paramount is the fact I was convinced the grievance to be an otherwise honest person who places great value on his employment with the Postal Service. And equally as important, the agent will retain an otherwise exemplary employee. However, without any cushion of committing any similar acts in the future, the remainder of the employee's career, regardless of length, is expected to be exemplary as well. The removal action of the employer will be reduced to a suspension of lost time. The agreement will be returned to work within two weeks of the receipt of this decision. There will be no back pay. In addition, the agreement will be on strict probation for a period of one year, and I will retain jurisdiction over his employment. In the event the agreement is found to be in any way dishonest, his employment with the Postal Service will be terminated at that time. So he put him on a last chance agreement. But it shows you a mitigating factor can even be an apology. A lot, most arbitrators, I remember arbitrator Mayer telling me, the most important thing to me is someone's honesty. That's the most important. And he said this to me. I was standing outside in the hallway when he said it. He said, I don't care what you've done if you come in there and, and you act sincere and you're truthful and you're remorseful. He said, that goes a long way with me. He said, but if I catch you lying, he said, if you're not remorseful, if you put it off on everybody else, you have zero chance. He said, he just wants somebody remorseful and truthful. I remembered that. I remembered that. I told this guy, the only thing you're saying under direct is an apology. That's it. They can question whatever they ask you about. You be truthful. Matter of fact, when management's witnesses testified, I asked them no questions. When it came time for cross, I have no questions, Mr. Arbitrator. OIG, have no questions, Mr. Arbitrator. You know why? We were guilty. We were guilty, and I wasn't going to come in there and put on this, you know, grilling people. We're guilty. So when it came his time, he apologized. He started crying, matter of fact. I remember his lips shaking, started, eyes watered up. He told the arbitrator, you know, I promise you, uh, I make a promise to you, I'll never be in trouble again, sir, ever. I'll never be in trouble again if you give me another chance. I've embarrassed my family, my church, me, the Postal Service. He looked over at uh, the advocate as a good friend of mine, Mr. Patton. He said, sir, I'm, I'm sorry you have to be here because of what I did. And uh, <laughs> Ronnie's looking at me, shaking his head like, you son of a bitch. But uh, I'll never forget that. He's just like, Ted, gum you, Corey. But, you know, hey, do what you got to do to win, man. But that's a mitigating factor. So anyway, that's a long story. That's a lot of minutes to cover mitigating factors. But like I told you, if a new steward's going to message me and ask me for help, they take precedent over everything else. And so those are mitigating factors. When I talk about mitigation, those are mitigating factors, Okay. And so anything that you can use, use it. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this scanner message. We're going to grieve it everywhere, nationwide, whenever we get it. And uh, this is the grievance that I filed. 
you got Article 14 is where we're going to start. I'm going to read the very first sentence of Article 14. Now, shop stewards, new shop stewards, when we talk about safety and health, uh, we're going to start at Article 14. I had a shop steward message me this morning. Matter of fact, and he said, hey, uh, Corey, if this is the one with the podcast, I need to ask a question. So I said, this is, this is the one with the podcast. He said, I just started a shop steward. Uh, what would you recommend? You know, the quickest way to learn. So I gave him some things, and I said, you know, uh, 8, 16, 41, JKM, these things here. But, but 14 is a great one, safety and health. Here's, here's the very first sentence of Article 14 on page 14.1. It is the responsibility of management to provide safe working conditions in all present and future installations and to develop a safe working force. It is the responsibility of management. Do you know why it did not say it's the responsibility of the letter carrier or it's the responsibility of the shop steward? It's the responsibility of the union? Do you know why it didn't say that? It didn't say that because management is the one task to manage. Management manages us. We police. We're here to police the contract. That's what we do. But management manages. So when Article 14 starts out with, it is the responsibility of management to provide safe working conditions in all present and future installations to develop a safe working force. That because ma- that's because management manages. All right? So it goes on to state the union will cooperate with and assist management to live up to this responsibility. But that is tasked on management. That's tasked on management. So anytime they do anything that potentially puts our carriers at risk, grieve it. Grieve it. And I'm going to talk about ergonomics. I'm going to talk about things like that that we're going to grieve. But anything especially to do with, with heat, grieve it because it's deadly. It's deadly. So back in 2015 in the old scanners, they sent out this message. It's the one that I saw on Facebook the other day. It's on 2015. When possible, take approved rest breaks to beat the heat. That's what they did in 2015. So I grieved it and got a B-team decision, and they told them to withdraw that message. And I'm going to have Jeremy put that B-team decision up on uh, on his website that he made for me. And that way you can see it, and you can plagiarize those. You can't use it now because it's not out of your installation, but you can plagiarize it, the language. And so in 2020, they did it again. I'm looking at the scanner. Here comes this same message. When possible, take approved rest breaks to beat the heat. The same damn message. They did it again. I grieve that. Okay. And so this is the grievance that you'll see on the website from from promatearbitration.com. But this is, JB was the formal A. And it says, uh, upon seven days from decision... Management will conduct a stand-up talk with the following information, which states, Stay healthy in the heat. Hot weather is here, and extreme heat can be very dangerous. Every year on average, extreme heat causes 658 deaths in the United States. Remember, these three things when working outside during hot weather. 
You need plenty of water throughout the day. Eight ounces of water every 20 minutes. Don't wait until you feel thirsty. Take breaks as needed to help your body recover. You get that? Take breaks as needed to help your body recover. Resting in the shade or in air conditioning helps you cool down. It's important to know the signs of heat-related illnesses. Acting quickly can prevent more serious medical conditions and may even save lives. Hey, family. If you're out in the heat and you feel yourself overcome and you have no air conditioning, I suggest you go to a building that has air conditioning. Go in there and have a seat and get yourself to where you're out of trouble. That's what I recommend. If you feel like you've, you're past that point, call your supervisor and say, hey, you need to come do something with me because I am not well. Uh, the heat has gotten to me. I'm not well. I don't give two shits what they say after that. I don't care if they say, well, you got to do that. The steward's going to take care of all that. You do not go back out there in that heat if you've been overcome. I don't care what they threaten you with. We're going to deal with all that through a grievance procedure. A hundred times out of a hundred times, I'm going to get you out of anything when it's dealing with your safety, especially the heat. If you take 20 breaks and management calls you in the office and said, damn, what happened yesterday? You took 15 breaks. It was hot. I got hot. Well, you're only supposed to take two breaks. Well, you need to talk to my shop steward about that. You're going to have to quit taking all these breaks. All right, you're going to have to talk to my shop steward about that. That way your shop steward can fire their ass up with a grievance on it. You will not at any time threaten me and threaten my safety for some damn mail. At no time, that mail is completely irrelevant to me. It means nothing compared to my safety you tell your carriers take breaks as needed in the heat in that hot I, i'm lucky because i have a walking route and i get cooled down i sweat more than people in the vehicle because i'm out there walking but i'm getting cooled down i'm in the shade i'm, I'm moving in that vehicle it gets to be about 140 or 130 degrees that's the same as an oven you have no relief you have a fan that's just circulating hot air like a microwave. You have no relief. Do you know what you're supposed to do to seek relief? Go get you in some air conditioning. Pull over somewhere. Sit in some shade. Pour water all over yourself. Drink as much as you can. Get yourself hydrated. You are the only ones that care about you. You are the only ones that care about your safety. Management will never care about your safety. The only time you'll hear management say they care about your safety is when they have the sorry ass on a stand in arbitration telling the arbitrator they care about your safety. That's the only time you will ever hear these sorry asses say that they are concerned about your safety. In that station, they don't care about you. They care about their numbers, and that's it. So you care about you. Nothing is more important than your safety, ever, nothing. 
So shop stewards, when you get these messages, grieve it. Grieve it. I'll read you my issue. You can you can come up with your own issue. And y'all may y'all may in your installation, y'all may deal with this a lot and have already dealt with it. But my issue is, did management violate Articles 14 and 19 of the National Agreement when they sent a message over the city letter carrier's scanner informing city letter carriers that they could only take breaks from the heat on approved rest breaks? If so, what is the appropriate remedy? And then I had 15 and 19 because I had a prior B-team decision, a 17 and 31 because I wanted to know the name of the person who put that message on there. I wanted to know the name of the person who put that message on there because I wanted to contact them and ask them why they were such a fool. I didn't get that, so I hit them with a 1731. Uh, I asked for the stand-up talk that I was given. I said, management will immediately give a stand-up talk at each station in the national installation and former carriers to take breaks as needed when dealing with the heat which would bring management into compliance with B-team decision there. I asked for money, $10 a calendar day until it was done, uh, $500 to the branch because I'm not, I'm not taking this as lightly. This is not a joke to me. Uh, and I was hoping that if I can get in front of an arbitrator that was favorable to the union, $10 a calendar day for every carrier in the national installation, I'd hit these bastards in the pocket for doing that. It's reckless and it's deadly. It's got my contentions in there. Like I said, they're, they're nothing special. Uh, just uh, on 418, uh, corporate communications sent out the following message over the carrier scanners. When possible, take approved rest breaks to beat the heat. And then I have in there uh, under section 24234, the M39 handbook, it describes the carrier's approved breaks. Talks about I get two breaks. Uh, this message is almost identical to the message local management has stated in the past when instructing carriers how to deal with the heat. It is ignorant, uneducated, and deadly. Talked about the B-team decision. Uh, the union dealt with local management's ignorance as it pertains to instructions that directly and intentionally place carriers in harm's way. And that's what that message does. That's why you grieve it. That decision instructing management in the national installation as follows, and it talks about the B team telling them to cease and desist that. So this message sent out over the scanner on 41820 was in direct violation of that B team decision. Management's constant attempt to relegate city carriers to a set number of breaks when dealing with the heat-related issues is disturbing and careless. The following information was included in the decision, and it gave that uh, stand-up talk that I read to you on that formal uh, contention. And I took a shot at the DM. I said, it's hard to believe that a district manager that forces entire groups, ops, labor, nurses, human resources, postmasters, safety, etc., to go out on safety blitzes in an attempt to catch letter carriers doing something wrong would be so out of touch with real safety issues that he would allow this to go out over the letter carrier scanner. Maybe if he did less micromanaging and less telecons, he could step up and be a true champion of city letter carrier safety. So I just took a shot at him because he's irresponsible and stupid. But uh, that's the grievance that we need to file. Uh, like I said, y'all's installation, your, your cities, y'all may already beat that. Y'all may already have something against that. But new stewards, smaller installations, you don't deal with it. Anytime you see a message on the scanner about take approved rest breaks, beat the heat or whatever, grieve that. Grieve it. It's a deadly message and it's irresponsible. So grieve it, get them to retract it, and keep looking at your messages because if they keep doing it, I'm going to try to hit them in a the pocketbook, keep them to stop.
okay? Uh, I've got a massive grievance that I filed over a stand-up talk. Uh, a, a manager in this installation gave a stand-up talk to the carrier saying, you only get two breaks. If I see anybody taking more than two breaks in the heat, you're getting written up. That's what he said. We filed a massive grievance on that because that is as deadly as it gets. As deadly as it gets. So uh, maybe in a couple of weeks I'll do one on that. And uh, we'll put that grievance up. It is a massive grievance. And I'm going to try to get Jerry to put it up because you can take all the language out of that and use it. Okay? Uh, it's got great contractual language. It's probably things that you've never seen before and never heard of in that grievance. That was back when I was on the National Safety Committee. So I was privy to all of these things. And so we, we waylaid management with this grievance. Uh, I had some statements from some pretty high-ranking people in there as well. But... Uh, you can plagiarize all this, steal all of it. I don't care. You can use all of it, but it's getting close to summer. It's getting close to summer. Protect your brothers and sisters, shop stewards. Protect your family, okay? When you see these messages, protect them. Grieve it. Grieve it immediately, all right? You got your little template right there that Jeremy will put up for you, okay? And you can use it. Just take out my installation you can use it if you want very simple very easy uh that'll keep you from having to type up one so you can just take that one use the issue use the remedy if you want uh, i don't care but anyway that's it for today short well hell it's still 50 minutes dad god i talk too much but to the young lady that stepped up we need more like you we need we need more like you thank you thank you for doing that we're going to be a stronger union because of you. I promise you that. Everybody that takes up that flag, you make us a stronger union. There's a movement going on right now. I can feel it. I've had people tell me about it. There's a movement going on right now with our union where people are getting more educated. We are dangerous when we're educated. There's a movement going on, and, and I'm glad to be part of it. I am, because I love knowing that my people are succeeding, are winning, are, are learning, are striving to be better. Man, that's fantastic. It's beautiful. It really is. I don't care about anything else other than my brothers and sisters. I don't care about anything else. Nothing else. We go to war for my people, man. I've got some people that we do things together, just take delight in it. That's in our fabric. Uh, I can feel it uh, catching on like fire, man. It's beautiful. Uh, next week, got a, a special guest. Hopefully, keep your fingers crossed, man. He's going to talk about some 16-7. I told him to talk about whatever he wants to, man. I'm just glad he's coming. I'm honored uh, that he would consider coming down and doing that. Really am. Uh I'm trying to get it figured out how to get other people. If you know how to do that, if you know how I can use people in other installations, other cities, how I can get them recorded, please message me. I don't know. I don't know. And I need I need more people involved here. Uh, I don't need people getting tired of hearing Corey Walton's voice every Sunday. Uh, they get tired of that. That's why I need more JB, but <clears throat> he's always out of town. But uh, anyway... Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week, man. Have you a little mitigation and a little bit of safety. That's not bad, right? Y'all take care of yourselves. I'll talk to y'all next Sunday with a special guest, all right? 
Have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you then.